you his friend. Did you know that? Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Because servants do not know what the master is doing. But he says, because you're my friends, I tell you all things. So to be a friend of God, God must have confided in you concerning certain things that he does. And we must bring ourselves. And the reason why I say bring ourselves is because the responsibility is on us to bring ourselves into the awareness of friendship with God. Friendship with God. You, you, you know, we, we talk about we talk about bringing yourself into that place, but many of us still haven't brought ourselves into the awareness of the fatherhood of God. Because we have misconstrued an assumptions about God that are not true. You know, that's why I think, I think that Christianity today as it is, is full of man-made ideas and traditions that are far <coughs> from the idea that God had when he brought us into Christ and made us Christians. You know, if you look at the church today, you find many things that you will not find in the Word of God. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Because you wonder, how did we get so far away from the truths of the Scriptures? How did we find ourselves so far away from the reality that the Word of God brings to us. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it, it, it just further proves that we have followed too much of human tradition and human opinion. And we expected God to bless those ways. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because many Christians are are living substandard lives. You know what I mean, substandard? Below standard. Below the standards to which God has called us into. I mean, a simple scripture in Second Peter chapter 1, Bible says, as according to his divine power, have been given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then he says, and made us partakers of the divine nature. Now, that scripture alone eradicates all, most of the theories that we find in Christianity today about the Christian man and woman. That scripture alone. So, you, you end up asking yourself, what have we been reading? if we've been reading at all. 
we found ourselves, what kind of Bible, what kind of uh, 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 word of God have we have we been reading? Because if we've been reading the word of God and endeavoring to live according to the standards and patterns that have been set down for us in the Bible, oh, <coughs> the life you would be living now is totally unimaginable. Because he says he has called you to glory and virtue. That's what he said. He says, he says, God who called us by his glory into his kingdom. And I just said to you what the Lord Jesus Christ said to us is, you are my friend. You are my friend. Today, if somebody told you that they had lunch with uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa, I mean, you'd want the pictures, right? You'd be envious of them. Or if they told you that, hey, you know, I, I met up with Patrice Matepe at his house over there in Hamilton or in Bradston, you'd be like, oh my God, you're so fortunate. <laughs> right? But how many of us really think about the fact that every time we're in prayer, we're hanging out with God? How, how many of us really think that you are in the presence and with the almighty God? No, it means nothing. You tell your friend, you always pray. You're praying. It seems as though it is, it is lightly regarded that your time in prayer would not equate to your time with some noble man in society. It's sick. It's sick. If if you told him that you were with some soccer star, you met Messi and he signed your autograph, he'd be like, you Baba, you Baba, right? I just said, no, Baba was the Lord Jesus. He's like, hey Baba, tell us Katani game. We overlook it because it doesn't seem important. It doesn't seem important. Yet it is the greatest thing that could have ever happened to you. Luke chapter 10. No, don't go there. Jesus visits Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Jesus gets in, sits down. Mary sees the Lord sitting down. She rushes to go prepare something for him. Mary doesn't do all those things. Just sits and listens to Jesus speaking. She's busy and she gets irritated. She says, Lord, tell Mary to come and help me. First of all, Jesus never asked Martha to move. Never asked Martha to do anything. Jesus came for a visit. But Martha busy as busied herself with things that didn't even concern the Lord Jesus Christ. And then she wanted Mary to come help her. The Lord Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better part. <laughs> she has chosen the better part. And that thing shall not be taken away from her. Because one thing 
only is needful. Listen to the Lord. He says, the most important thing in life is to spend time with God. He says, that's the most important. Because you are spending time with the most important person in the universe. In the universe. In the universe. And I mean, the, the stories, testimonies that can come out of there can change your entire life. Can change your entire life. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not a thing. He is not an influence. He is a person. And he is a person that is relatable. You can relate with him. He is a person. Do you know today, 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 there is no prayer that goes up to God without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, God could never hear you speak. Without the Holy Spirit, God could never see what you do for Him. Let me ask you this. The things that are important in life, are they the things that you do or the things that He records that you have done? So it doesn't matter what you do, right? What's really important is the things that you have done that he has recorded. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? So in other words, you could have done many things for the Lord and he records one thing. And he records one thing. To him, all those other things are meaningless. Because it is the Holy Spirit that gives meaning to our work for God. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gives meaning to our work for God. Apart from Him, nothing we try to do for God has meaning. All your prayer will have no meaning without the Spirit. All your works, your, your works of service for God would have no impact whatsoever on God without the Spirit. Why do you think Jesus waited 30 years to receive the Holy Spirit? Why do you think it was so important that he waited for the Spirit? The Bible says, this is what the Bible says, the Bible says that Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the child of the Holy Spirit. Yet, with the Holy Spirit being his father, he did nothing for 30 years being fathered by the Spirit until that anointing of God came on him. Why? He says, I do nothing except what I see my father do. I do nothing. He says, I don't move 
How, how many moves have you made thus far in your life without the Spirit? Let's count it. Let's think about how how many moves you have made. That's why you are where you are. That's why you have landed at the station in life where you are. Because it's moves done without the Spirit. So what that would constitute of your life is not the divine order, but the biological life. What is biological life? Biological life is the life lived without God. In that life, you can be successful. In that life, you can be famous. In that life, you can be even impactful and influential. But when you stand before God, none of those things as prominent as they were biologically, naturally, God will write them off. God will write them off. And many of us are, are, are living too much in our biological, natural lives. Too much. Too much. Is it wrong? No. It, just, it only means you are living Adamically. You understand that? You are not living divinely. It only means you are living Adamically. And that life is the life of sin. That life, in God's mind, is the life of error. Is <coughs> the life of error. Look at the beautiful things in the world that man has made today. Do you know that God does not regard them? One day, as they got out of the temple in Jerusalem, the disciples said to the Lord, Lord, see us now all these great buildings. Jesus said, do you see all these great buildings? He says, not one of them shall be left standing. They adored them. They, were, they admired those buildings. Jesus said, not one of them shall be left standing. He is not interested in what man builds apart from God. He's not interested in that. He's interested in, in it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain, they that be. So what have you built that God has not commissioned? It's what we must ask ourselves about our lives, where we are living, how we are living. <clears throat> okay, let me read you this. Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews. <clears throat> Chapter number nine. Verse 13. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, you know what's a heifer? A heifer is uh, a different species of the cow. It's kind of like a red cow. That's what a heifer is, a red cow. Those kind of uh, 
species existed long ago. You don't find many of them in today, in today's life. But the aphid is a is a red cow. Sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through, who through, who through, who through? You see that he didn't do it alone. How much shall the blood of Christ? Who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Do you see that? He said Jesus offered himself to God. Offered himself to God. He's offering to God through the spirit. Because nothing without the spirit is acceptable to God. Nothing. Nothing. Do you understand what I mean? Nothing? Tell me, but what about the good things? No, nothing. Even your good things. Nothing done apart from the Spirit has any value to God. This is serious, brothers and sisters. It's serious because you, you, you look at your life today and you ask yourself, what have I done? Through the Spirit. Or what have I done through my own self? Those, those things you have done by yourself, they are yours. Yeah. That's your reward. From God, you will receive no reward. Yeah, I will receive reward when we get into heaven. No reward. That's why there are some Christians who give and give and give and give. Nothing. They pray and pray and pray and pray. Nothing. Until they think, this. Before they go to themselves, this is their church. Is that pastor? Something is wrong with what that pastor is doing. Now, what could be so wrong with what that church or that pastor is doing that God will not hear your prayers? Because the moment you start saying that, you are saying that your, the, your prayers being answered are dependent on that church. And it's, it's wrong. It's, it's, it's wrong. What if there was no church? What if maybe you were in a plane and you got stuck and you, you know, you got stuck in the bundu somewhere in the jungle <laughs> and there's no church in the jungle so your prayers will not be answered no it's because something is missing in your Christianity something is missing you do the praying you do the church attendance you do the giving you, you try <laughs> you understand? You you try just living the right life. You try. You just try. What is it? The spirit. Let me, <coughs> listen to what the apostle Paul said. Let me show you something. Uh, Romans. Chapter 15.
You there? Amen. Chapter 15, verse number 15. Let me read it for you. It says, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You see that? He was careful not to carry out his ministry without the sanctity of the Spirit on it. So no offering given to God apart from the Spirit is accepted. Now, how, did, how, how can I give to the Spirit? Every time I tell you, not by mind, yeah. not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. To some, it has just become a coat. It's just the coat. It's the coat. It's not by mind, it's not by power, it's by my, it's by my spirit. <laughs> no. No, I was saying this to you on Friday. Well, when we are praying, all of us, however we are, right? Yeah. All of us, however we are. But <clears throat> how is that? The presence of the Spirit gets communicated to every single person who's participating at that time as though we were like this. How do you explain that? How do you? Yet there are churches who gather like this and don't have that presence. They don't have it. But they get it. They get it. They don't have it. The best they have is God's general presence. They are, I am with you always. <laughs> because they, they are... They, there are different kinds, categories of the presence of God. There is what we call God's general presence. And there's God's manifested presence. Where that presence is tangible. How does that happen? How? It can only be, it can only be through the Spirit of God. And how a person connects to Him. Do you understand that? How he relates to him. So he says, being sanctified by the Spirit. So in your life, in your life, be careful that the things you do for God, for God, not for yourself, for God, are sanctified by the Spirit. You've heard me say there are some pastors who are running churches today who will go to hell for pastoring. You say, but it's a good thing. <laughs> right? It's a good thing to be a pastor. Is it good? Is it not a good thing? It's a good thing. I'm not talking about pastors who miss, I'm not talking about pastors who went into the ministry and who did good things. 
they will end up in the ozone for doing a good thing. For doing a good thing. One day, one day David was bringing back the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. He built an ark, built an ark, I mean, he built a, a cart, and then he put it on oxen. And then he took two men to go and collect it. So they took the ox, put it there on the, uh, on, the, on the cart, and the oxen drove off. So these guys were behind, walking with the ox. So the wheel fell into a ditch, and the cart fell. The guy said, ooh, it's about to fall. They tried to grab it. The Bible says, as When Uzziah took the ark to carry, the Bible says, the anger of God. The indignation of the Lord got hot against him. How? Was not the guy trying to do a right thing? He was, right? The Bible says, God killed him. On the spot, God killed him for doing a good thing. He was killed. God got angry that the man was trying to do the right thing. Man died. Dead. On the spot. When David heard that the Bible says, he got so afraid, took the ark, put it in the house of Obed-Edom. As it sat in the house of Obed-Edom for about three months, the Bible says, the Lord prospered the house of Obed-Edom. So much so that David began getting jealous. Why? Obed Eden didn't try to do anything. The man tried to do a nice thing, a good thing, to protect the ark from falling. Later on, David, while reading the Bible, the scriptures, he found out that they did not do it according to the prescribed order. That's why God killed the man. So they were doing the right thing. The motivation was right. They wanted the ark back in Israel where they can worship him. But the prescribed order was wrong. Because in the law, the Bible says the priests were to carry the ark, not put it on an ox. So what activated God's anger was when it was not notice. God was already angry when they put it on the ark. God is unfair. No, it's not. It's not that God is unfair. It's only unfair in the absence of prescribed what? Prescribed laws. If they are there and you don't know it and you try and do, even if your motives are right, you will suffer. So there are pastors who will go to hell for going into the ministry. It's the right thing, but God did not tell them to do it. God did not tell them to do it. God did not tell them to do it. Some of them die early. They die prematurely. Because sometimes God calls you into ministry, right? And then because of what you see happening around, you try and copy what other ministries are doing and implementing. But what you don't know is that the more you do, the more 
of things you do that God did not ask you to do, the more your years are shortened. The day you die, he didn't run his race. He didn't run his race, he tripped. Because by God, no man, listen, any man who dies, any man who dies under the age of 80 did not fulfill God's call. Any man that dies under the age of 80 failed somewhere. That means you are living in God's permissive will. That's biological living. We are just allowed to live like other human beings. Like Paul, he could not continue. God, he had to die. He could not continue. He didn't finish. He, he did not finish his assignment. Jeremy, but yeah, Paul finished. He didn't finish his assignment. He could not have finished his assignment. Paul was not the exception. The, the greatest man in the Bible, the greatest man, the greatest man in the Bible, the greatest man in the Bible, what was one common thing about them? Uh-uh. 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 uh the most common thing about them. One common thing about them. Come on, you, you can't tell me you exhausted your <laughs> <laughs> faith now. Nah. <laughs> 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 Yeah? <laughs> oh, no. All of them are right in their own right. <laughs> but there's one, one common thing. No. Want me to tell you? Yeah. They were married. justify my statement about Paul not fulfilling his race. He was not married. That's the new series I'm starting today. The first and the last Adam. The first and the last Adam. Paul didn't finish his race. 
He ran it, but he didn't finish it. He said, I've run my race. Yes, I've finished. I've run. The first and the last I want to start this series to, to help us unlock certain things about life that I think and I believe most of us have never really gotten to grasp as yet. <coughs> Paul didn't finish his race. He couldn't. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. But Jesus was not married. Jesus was not married. He was not married. He's the epitome. He 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 is what defines marriage. Ephesians. <coughs> I'm not talking about marriage. It's not so what I'm talking about. Amen. <laughs> Some of you are biting your teeth. <laughs> your pastor. No, it's not marriage that I'm talking about. But I'm trying to use this as a vantage point, alright? Concerning Christ is a great mystery, and the church is a great mystery. So collectively, they are husband and wife, but individually, the Bible is what is pointing out to the mystery about Christ. The Bible says Christ Himself is a mystery. 
But yet again, the Bible says the church itself is a mystery. And Paul uses the man and the woman to try and interpret and communicate the mystery. So he's saying the man and the woman are great mysteries. Great mysteries. Great mysteries in the sense that only revelation can really unfold and unlock certain truths concerning them, both as individuals and as one. The first and the last Adam. Is that those two are great mysteries. You must understand, the first Adam is male and female. The first Genesis. Yes. Genesis one twenty six. Verse 26, because I want to say something uh, a bit later on in verse 26. Let's read verse 20, 27. Are you there? Yeah. Read it slowly, okay? Stop where it's punctuated. So God created. Man. 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 God created man. Right? In his own Image. In the image of God, he did what? Created. Created. Mm -mm. Created he. Right? Then he says what? Read it again. Verse 27. Read verse 27. So God created Adam. So God created Adam. Put word Adam because that's the word Adam man. So God created Adam. God created Adam in his own image. Do you notice in the Bible, there is no place in the Bible where the Bible tells us that God gave Adam his name. Nowhere where the Bible says, and God named him Adam. Show it to me now. And God called the man Adam. None. Because his name was who he was. He was man. Therefore, he was Adam. Because Adam means man. Everywhere in the Bible where you see the word Adam, is translated the word man. So he says, so God created Adam in his own image. In the image of God created he Adam. Male and female, he created them. What is God saying? He's saying Adam is who? Male and female. So the first Adam was who? Adam and Eve. The second Adam is who? Jesus and the church. 
And these, the Bible says, are great mysteries. Great mysteries. So to unlock the mysteries, the secrets of life, you must really uncover these two great mysteries. The first Adam and the last Adam. And when we talk about the last Adam, most of us have been thinking about who? Jesus. The first Adam, Adam. No. No. Because he says, man, he created. And when he created man, there were who? Male and female. And God regards the, the plurality, male and female, as who? Man. Not as men, but men, one. And the two shall become one flesh. So who is man? Male and female. Male and female. Male and female. That is who man is. Male and female. According to God, male and female. So any human being is not man until what? Male and female. That's what we call marriage. The coming together of what? The male and the female to make what? A man. So he says, this is a great mystery. That's what he says. This is a great mystery. So individually, the male himself is a mystery. The female herself is a mystery. And a great mystery at that. And until these mysteries are uncovered, we can never really live life the way it should be. Because had it not been for the failure of the first man, the second man would never have come. There's something you must understand about, about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, is not God's original plan for man. Adam was. Adam was. Jesus Christ is, is, was God's reserve in case something happens. So God's plan A, now God would be stupid, right? If, if he started with plan B and left out plan A, he would be stupid, he was stupid God because nobody started with plan A. You go with a plan that you know would work. Yeah. That's a plan you start out with. When you go to, to a football match, you don't go with a team that you think will be defeated. Right? You start with a team that is formidable. So it's the same with God. He always starts with his plan A. So Jesus Christ is not God's plan A because Adam came first. First Corinthians. Chapter 15. Verse 21. Read verse 21. Since by 
Amen. By Satan. Amen. Yeah? No. Since by who? Amen. Came what? Amen. Now, if, if that came by Satan, let me ask you, if that came by Satan, and the Satan that you know hits you, all of us should be dead by now. Yeah. All of us should be vanquished by now. <laughs> I said I'm not yet. No. <laughs> no. No. Listen. Listen. If death originates from man, <coughs> if death originates from man, if man dies, he dies because of who? Himself. If man dies, he says, for, for since by man death came, if death comes from man, if death comes from men, that tells you that if he dies, it's because of whose choice? Paul says, I'm in a strict between two. Whether to die and go to the Lord or stay here and be with you. He had the choice. He was not saying the choice was with God. That's why Paul says in, in, in Romans, he says, he says, all things are yours, whether death or life. So with you, because you are in Christ, with you, you have the power to command death or the power to command life. Mm. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Mm. Mm. Satan, Satan. That's why when people die. You... <sighs> You're dead. It's your choice. I mean, why would you cry for somebody who chose to die? Oh, pastor, who chose it? Who chose it? Can we pay me no more, pastor? Anything can happen. Nothing in this life can happen if you do not will it. If you do not will it. God's greatest power, power gift he gave to man was his own will. His own will. We'll get to that at a later stage. Right? Yeah. Verse 44. Verse 45. Read really verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, the first man, yeah, the first man became a I like to eat him. The first man ate him. Became a living. He became a living. Now think about it. God breathed to man once. When he made Eve out of Adam's rib, did he breathe into Eve? Why? Because God had breathed to who? The man. Male and female. So Eve did not require any breath because the female had breath. Because God had breathed to who? Man. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Because you, you should be asking yourself, how, how, how come for this man to come alive, God breathed? But when God took the rib and formed the woman from this rib, how come he did not breathe into her? She was already alive. 
Africa, the day Adam woke up. It's a great mystery. <laughs> if you don't understand, if you don't understand it, I understand it's a great mystery. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to uncover. The last man, Adam, became, notice, he became, he was not always. The same way Adam became, the last Adam became also. So we must now refer to the point at which the two became. Do you understand that? When did Adam become a living soul? When God breathed. When did Jesus become a life-giving spirit? When he received the Holy Spirit. So the moment Jesus received the Holy Spirit, the church was impregnated in him. The last man, Adam, became a living spirit. However, the spiritual is not first. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Okay, let me ask you. In this series, you want me to be brutal, raw, or mild, and conservative? (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is telling us that where God was first, was a physical place. Where he was first, before the heavens and the earth, was a physical place. If, if it was not a physical place, it was what we call an ethereal place, a mixture of physical and spiritual. But then, the Bible says, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And I saw, Mm. and I saw New Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God. Where? (coughs) To the earth. Is New Jerusalem a physical or a spiritual place? Is it a spiritual or physical place? It's a physical place because it's come to the earth. But he's saying it's locked up in God now. So what's inside him is physical, not spiritual. So God's first place of abode could only have been first natural until he spiritualized it. (coughs) Think about it. If what is at the end of everything if what is at the end of everything is physical, what was at the first must have been what? Also natural. Also natural. The Jerusalem in God is physical, is natural. The place in the beginning where God was must have been natural. Mm. 
Because he says, the spiritual is not first. He's not me in the Bible. I'm just explaining to you the Bible. The spiritual is not first, but the natural. Afterward, the spiritual. So, if, 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 if Jesus is the spiritual, Adam is the natural. But when Jesus and Adam were together, God never said, I'm sending the spiritual first. He said, let the natural go. So if Jesus was if Adam and Adam, if the first and the last Adam, the first and the second Adam were standing side by side before God commissioned them, God chose the natural. He did not choose Jesus. Jesus, Adam did not fail. Oh no. Adam, oh, okay, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. In God's mind, Adam should not have failed. Because he sent who? Adam first. Jesus is one who we know as the what? The unfailing one. Adam in God's Adam in God's mind was who? The unfailing one. So I want to give you a picture that God had about Adam before he ever fell. Because every time, anytime each and every one of us think about Adam, you're thinking what? He sinned. <laughs> He's a failure. But that's not the idea God had about Adam. Because he sent him out first. Amen. Adam was God's 18. Hallelujah. Jesus was optional. How can you say that about Jesus? How can you how dare you say that about Jesus? Jesus should never have been. In this life, there is no place for two races of men. There's only place for one. That's why when Jesus came, what he did was to supplant, destroy the seed of death. Because there's no place in this world for more than two races, species of men. There's only place for one. That's why he said, "You what? He abort, He 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 took what the Gentile and the Jew, and made him what one new man in Christ. Because the Jew is a different race. You must understand. Before the Christian race, there was the Gentile world and the Jew world. When we talk about race, when we talk about species, but in when when you look at cats, right? When you, when we talk about the female, uh, the female family." We talk about the lions, the cheetahs, and all those things, right? They follow. They they recognize as cats, right? But they're not the same. The lion doesn't look like the leopard. The leopard doesn't look like the cheetah. But we say they belong to the same family, but different species. So the lion is a different race. You understand that? Different in form, in shape, in in instinct in power, in ability than the leopard or the cheetah is. Correct? So, when we talk about the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, they are, they are a different race than every other human race. So you've got the Jew, the Jew are, they are, they are humans, but they are different kinds of humans. And then you, you have the fallen race. The fallen man, the fallen species, which is everybody else. But that's before Christ. That's before Christianity. That's why the Jews are very special people to God. 
Very special. They are not like you and me. Their mind is different. Even their language. Do you know where the Jewish language originates from? Angels. That's why in the Bible it is the only language that has been breathed upon by God. When the Bible talks about all scriptures, it's talking about the Hebrew language. Then comes Jesus, the last man, Adam. When he comes, he does something remarkable. He says there is no what? Gentile nor Jew in Christ. He removes their what? Their genetic code. And he gives them a new genetic code called Christianity, new creation. So when they come into Christ, when the Jew looks at the Gentile, even though they knew themselves as the Jew and the Gentile, they can't see any difference. Their minds may notice difference, but in reality, there is no difference. Because the Bible says, you are one new man. Do you understand? So, with Adam and Jesus, that's why the Bible uses the other uh, allegory of Adam and Jesus. Adam, before he fell, was the ultimate race. He was the he was God's choice of expression to humanity, not Jesus. That's something I want you to understand about Anna, because in God's mind he held a place. He held a place in God's mind about the destiny of mankind that he would have fulfilled even if Jesus had not been there. Today, we know we cannot reach perfection without Christ. But Adam would have reached perfection without Christ. Because there would have no, oh God, there would be no need for Christ. Christ is the anointed or the Messiah, the deliverer. He is, he is, he is God's intrusion into the fall of man. So because God had to bring back a plan to bring restoration. But with Jesus, God doesn't bring restoration. He brings a new species. So when the Bible talks about the first man being natural and the sec second man being spiritual, and talking about their function, God, what God had in mind when he created them. So every one of us today have retained the form of the first Adam. But we possess the spirit of the second Adam. That's why it says, it, shall, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when he's revealed, then shall what it be known that we look like him. When you came into Christ, your whole body didn't change. You were still you. So that means you retain the shape, the form of the first Adam, but what the spirit of the new Adam. Amen. That's why biological life cannot be done away with. There is the natural order of life, and God knows he cannot interfere in it. Because what God did when he brought in Christ, he did not intervene or change or try to change the biological process that he had set in Genesis. He only dealt with the spirit, the life force that controlled the man. So he says, the natural was first, then the spiritual. The first man 
was of the earth. The second man is the Lord. Do you see that? Yeah, the second man is the Lord. Is the Lord. Is the Lord. So the Lord, who is the second man, was also what? Man. 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 He was also a man. The Lord from heaven was also a man. Was also what? A man. But a heavenly man. Adam was the earthly man. They were men. And when we talk about who man is, man must possess, number one, a physical body. Number two, blood. <laughs> so, if Jesus, if Jesus, the Lord who was from heaven, was a man, the Lord, let's not even talk about Jesus, let's talk about the Lord from heaven, was a man. And who's the Lord? God. You mean God has blood. God has a body, physical body. But he chose to go with the earthly. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, let us also bear the image of the heavenly man. Genesis. The idea of man behind creation is getting hot. Please. Uh, Thank you. Be there? Yeah. First one. The idea behind creation. First one. I just want to show you something quick, left. Yeah. Quickly, quickly. Today, today, according to statistics, right? Today, in the whole world, what's the number one cause for divorce? Money. The number one cause for divorce is what? If you switch, if you inverse that, the number one reason for wealth is what? marriage the thing that causes the failure is the thing by which the wealth comes do you understand that do you understand that okay let me show it to you Fish. <laughs> so divorce which is the 
You can do that with me. <coughs> Divorce, which is D, is equals to what? Finance, right? Financial problem, FP, multiplied by married couple, right? So divorce is caused by this. It's caused divorce in marriage is a result of financial problems that affect the couple. That's what brings divorce. That's the number one cause. That's the number one cause. It's not, it's not, it's not infidelity. It's this. Why is that so? Why is that so? Because you can forgive somebody with infidelity. Right? Even though it might be hard, but it's forgivable. <coughs> Financial strain does something to the marriage. It pulls the bond. You see, it's it's fight. It's fight is is the bond of marriage. Is that love? So what it seeks to do is that it seeks to mutate itself into that thing. Do you understand that? It seeks to because because you can you can you can cheat and still love your wife. Yes, studies show that most people who cheat still love their partners. This is research, basic. <laughs> Those people who cheat still, they still, they still cannot imagine a life without their. Yes, that's why you can divorce and still love each other. Right? Yes, and still love each other. But the difference in finance and money. Remember, money seeks to take the place of God. Yeah. Money is God's number one competition. Yeah. So, money is to Christians, I mean, God is to Christians what money is to the world. God. Who they worship, who they serve. So if God is love, what is money? <laughs> if God is love, what is money? Lust, hate. Because money has to be the opposite of who God is. So what it does is that it seeks to take the place of love in the marriage. Do you understand that? So when there, there, there's the lack of money, the lack of work, the lack of financial uh, stability, it mutates itself into the thing you call love, that, that binds the marriage together. When it mutates itself, because men and women are only meant to make bonds through love, something happens. Every time they, they try to connect, they can't. Why? Because the, the glue, the bond, is no longer sticky. Mm -hmm. 
So when that happens, the feeling of love disappears. And then the two separate. That's what causes divorce. Why is that so? Because of what causes wealth. <clears throat> Why would Satan attack marriages far above everything with financial darkness? <laughs> if, if the marriage gets it right, they'll never be broke and never separate. But if they get it wrong, if they get it wrong, listen to what I'm saying. If they get it wrong, they may never divorce, but emotionally they would have divorced a long time ago. So why does Satan attack the marriage with money? Why did Satan tempt Jesus with the kingdoms of the world? Because it belonged to him. Yeah. So he tempts marriages with money issues and money problems because what? Money, wealth, belongs to what? The marriage. Very few people, very, I said very few people, there are 2,460 billionaires on earth today. Most of them have only been married to one wife. Most of them. <coughs> they are over several thousand millionaires, no more dollars, in the world. <laughs> because that's the standard of measurement. In the world, most of them, over 85% of them, have been married to one person. You may, listen to me, you may get rich on your own, but you can never stay rich on your own. So, I'm talking about the idea behind man, what God, the idea behind man, the idea behind man, and the challenge we have in our time today, because people are struggling, human beings are, are really struggling, and that's why even some people who are Christians, they are struggling to, to live here on earth. Because they don't really understand what's, what's life all about. So in the beginning God created the heavens and the, the earth to inhabit God. I mean the heavens to inhabit, the heavens to inhabit God and the earth to inhabit man. So God creates a place for God and a place for men, but you, we don't yet see it. We don't see it. 
Do you understand that? We don't see it because, because why would God create Isaiah? Oh, dear Lord Jesus. Mm. You following me, no? Amen. We're dealing with mysteries, so it will be a bit confusing to your mind. You there? Yeah. Okay. Read, read verse number... Chapter 45. You found it? Please read verse number 11. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, Ask of me concerning my sons, and concerning the works of my hands, you command me. This God, this God, he says, you command me concerning the works of my hands. Command me. Can God say such a thing? You command, you command me. He's telling you to command him. Has God ever been commanded? He's telling you, you, to command him. Man, to command him. He says, concerning the works of my hands, you command me. In other words, tell me what to do. That's what prayer is. Prayer is permitting God, commanding God to work in the earth. Because without prayer, God can't work. Yeah. He says his throne, he has established in heavens. The earth, he has given to the sons of men. If he has given, listen, when God gives, he gives. So if he says he has given to the sons of men, that means... He doesn't have any jurisdictional power and authority in the earth except the man command him. Because on earth, the man is God. On earth, the man is king, not God. So when the Bible talks about Jesus being the kings, being the ruler over the kings of the earth, he was actually describing Adam before the fall. He was supposed to be king over rulers. Because we are dealing with the earth. We are not dealing with the heavens. The heavens belong to the Lord. The earth belongs to man. And he says, you concerning the works of my hands, command me. Command me. Instruct me. What do you want done? Command me. I have made the earth and created men on it. He doesn't say created beasts. He does not say created trees. He says, I have created the earth. I have made the earth and created man on it. So the earth is created for man. That's why when the Bible says, talks about the tabernacle of God in, 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 in Revelation, it says the tabernacle of God is now with man. Where? In heaven? No, on earth. Because earth belongs to man. Since I have made the earth and created man on it. So the heavens are for God. The earth are for man. So when he says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We are seeing something there. 
we were seeing something there that was not already declared. And that's the beauty about having the revelation of God fulfilled in the Bible. Because you get to see God's plan. Moses did not see it because he was the first one to write, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Up until that time, many people had many theories. Until God gave man the revelation of creation himself. But he does not tell Moses why he created the earth. He just said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But we can see through revelation that the earth is for man. The heaven is for God. I have made the earth and created man on it. He doesn't put beast. He says man. He says man. So in the beginning, in the beginning, so who is man? Man is an extension of God. He's God's extended part. That's who man is. Because the spirit of man comes from man. I mean from God. So man is God's extension in the physical realms. So everything natural God creates was for man to rule. So inside, every one of us is a dead king. a dead king. He's a dead ruler. And you see, the reason why I say dead is because that you are in Christ now does not mean that you are alive to him. That's why he says, writing yourself dead to sin and alive to God. So it's your responsibility to what? To stir the king in you up. Who are the true kings in this world? I'm talking about in, in worldly terms. Who are the true kings? <coughs> Government? No. <coughs> no. No. Businesses. Organizations. The organizations that have built themselves up to be more powerful than nations. Yeah. And behind those organizations is who? One man. Mm. One woman. So the world is full of kings. They don't belong to God. But because they are men, they are kings. So in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. The heavens for God, the earth for men. Now you understand why Satan was jealous. You understand why he chose earth above all other planets. He could have landed at some sun, some took. No, he chose earth. Why? Because that was the place designated for man. So we must look, we must look with the eyes of the spirit and begin to see how did the world, how did the world that God created for man look like before Genesis one, two. How did it look like? Perfect. There was no man. There was no man. That's why when Jeremiah said, I said, I saw no man in it. Because before God could create the man, Satan interjected God's plan. 
because all angels after God created men would bow down to the men for to which of the angels has he ever said you are my son sit at my right hand but to the son he says God your God has what anointed you he says to the son he is God and his God has anointed him Hallelujah. And your scepter is a scepter of righteousness to rule the nations. Because Satan knew. He knew. He knew. So God's plan, when God decided, oh God, you see, God always decided to bring in men. When, when Satan interjected and came to the earth, God judged the earth and did something remarkable in six days. Six days, six days, he brought the man. We are not told how many days or how many aeons or how many, how, how long it took for the for Satan to fall in there. We are not told, but we are told that God's restriction for the earth took place in six days after Satan fell. But I can tell you that in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth to be inhabited by men. Why did God take so long to put men in the earth after he created the earth? Because it took long enough for Satan to come and disrupt the plan. Because Satan was already fallen. You must understand. Satan was already fallen before he came to the earth. He came to the earth already fallen. He came to the earth already Satan. Yeah. With all his demonic entities. He was already on earth. When he came to earth, he was already fallen. So why did it take God so long? Because the Bible says there was no place found for them any longer in heaven. And the devil and all his angels were cast down to the earth. To the earth. So God deliberately brings Satan down to the earth. The very same place where he will create the man. He brings him to the earth. <laughs> Why? Isaiah 45. Verse 7. I want you to read that very slowly. I want you to read that very slowly. Very slowly. Verse 7. Please read. One, two, three. Let's read. I form. I, I form. I form the light. Notice the words that God uses. He says, I form the light. Read. I form the light and I create darkness. Who creates darkness? God. The Bible says, God. Yet John says, in God there is no darkness at all. But he creates the light. Only God has the ability to do such a thing. It says, I form the light and I create. Barah. 
It means to bring into existence. So darkness did not come on Satan. Read your Bibles, please. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Read the verse before. Maybe, maybe you think maybe this is this is a mistake. Read the verse before. No, verse five. Verse five. So who's talking? And there is. That's the God who's talking. Yeah. I will guard you. Though you have not known me, that they may know that from the rising of the sun to its setting, there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. And then he comes and tells you, I form the light. I create the darkness. I form the light. I create the darkness. I form the light. I create the darkness. That's what he says. I form the light. I create the darkness. I make peace and create calamity. Notice, notice he uses the words create. He's deliberate because, because to form means to, to bring about something from raw material. Amen. But to create means to bring into existence Amen. something that is previously not there. So God thought darkness. Ah. He thought darkness. He, he, darkness is an idea from God. <laughs> Calamity is a divine idea. Satan. No God. Satan. No God. Satan. No God. Satan evil definitely is evil. But God says, I create darkness. And I create evil. Form light. I make peace, but I create darkness. Why is there darkness in the world? Because God made it so. And I will show you that darkness is from God. I will show you darkness is from God. It's, it is from God. Darkness is from God. Genesis. Hello, <laughs> Verse 2. And the earth became formless and empty. And darkness was on the face of the waters. Darkness was on the face of the waters. So we know the, the earth being formless is as a result of judgment. Satan could not have any power to change what God had made. Because if, you, if, if, if we say, if we say, no, it's Satan that makes, how, how? That means Satan is more powerful than God. So Satan came into the earth powerful. No. Satan was cast into the earth and as a result of that God brought judgment on Satan that affected the entire terrain. So because of judgment, if you read Jeremiah you'd understand it. Because of judgment the earth became formless and empty. And darkness. 
darkness was already there. Darkness did not come after seeding. It came before seeding. Because the person was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face. He was hovering over the darkness. He didn't change it. The Holy Ghost was not permitted to I mean, we know God's nature is light. But he was nesting over the darkness. He was nesting over the darkness. So if this surface was darkness, the Spirit of God, the Bible says, was hovering over it, was nesting over it. He did not change it. Why doesn't God remove the darkness? He doesn't remove the darkness. Notice, there is no light, only darkness. Why? Because when God, when God brought his judgment, he did what? He withdrew his light. He withdrew his light. So the earth was dark, totally dark. And the Spirit of God just hovered. Then, read verse 3. And God said, in, in, in the Bible, there is no such word there, let there be light. There are only two words there, light be, or be light. The be light is, is the most concise one. Because light be means light come, or light appear. Be light means whatever he was talking to, he was telling it to become light. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that? God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts. Paul saw the revelation. Because every revelation that Paul ever got from Jesus was in revelation. Paul was speaking from revelation. I mean, was speaking from Genesis. Every revelation he had is here in Genesis. He commands the light to shine out of darkness. So God said, God said, be light. What must be light? Darkness. You see that? Darkness. But God does something amazing. He tells the darkness to be light, but not all of it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Psalm 139. See, after this, if, if, if you will follow through this series, you will never cry for any birthday in your life. You will never feel sad. Never be worried when you go through tough times. Because you were made for the tough times. Hallelujah. You were made for the dark days. Amen. Psalm 139. Can we go another 30 minutes? Amen. Is that fine? Amen. Verse 11, Psalm 139. 
If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Did you read that? Let me read that to you again. This is David. He says, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light. 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 So he tells us that the night has what? The power to become light. And the light has the power to become night. Genesis, let's go back. Oh, wait, wait, let me, let me finish reading. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night... God. Oh, thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, dear Lord. Oh, my God. Indeed, darkness shall not hide from me. That's verse 12. But the night shines as the day. But the night shines as the day. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. So we're dealing with a God who cannot differentiate between dark and light. Between day and night. Between light and night. He can't differentiate because he says the darkness and the light are both alike to him. It's the same. So when he said to God, I am in darkness, he says, what do you mean? <laughs> because in his understanding, if you walk with him, you are always in the light. You are always in the light. In God's eyes, you are always in the light. You may be in the dark. Yes, it's by divine providence. It's by divine allocation. It's by divine space. And God said, be light. Not like be. Be light. Become light. Why? Darkness and light are the same to him. So when the Spirit of God was nesting over the waters, He wasn't thinking this is darkness. He was thinking light is in Him. Because He's God. The Bible calls Him the righteous one. That means God's ability, the rightness of God, His quality for being right. He's right about everything. David saw it. He says the light and the light are both alike to you. He saw it because he's God. He says, I create darkness. I create darkness. Let's go back to Genesis. Both light and darkness are children of God. That is why somewhere along the line in creation, <coughs> something that God created had to turn. Yeah. Fort unfortunately, 
fortunately or fortunately, it was said. Unfortunately for him, but fortunately for creation. Because that proves something about God. And remember, all of this is taking place on earth. In heaven, there's no light. There's no light. It's here. You function in the light. You function in the light. The light represents everything good. The light represents everything evil. Paul says what? That you may stand in the evil day. This is Paul. That you may stand in the evil day. In the evil day. He says that you may stand. In the evil day, not evil hour, evil day, evil day. Telling us that in our lives there will be nights of what? Of goodness. There will be days where we experience good. There will be days where we experience evil. Both of them are from God. <laughs> Satan, God left Satan in the garden. He may not have allowed every other fallen angel, but Satan had the keys to enter the garden. Why wasn't he kept out? Because darkness and light must coexist. For men, for men, darkness and light must coexist. Without darkness, you cannot grow. Without darkness, you can't grow. You can't develop. Your times of strength development is times of darkness. Amen. Muscles grow when they're under pressure. Look at when a woman gives, go and gives birth. Look at when she goes and gives birth. Remove, listen, you can remove the pain, but the process is still the same. Do you understand that? The pain is there because of the fall. If the pain was not there, the process would still be the same. You'd still need to apply pressure. Otherwise, the baby may die. Why? Because there's no enough pressure added to it. You can't grow without pressure. You can't grow. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the garden. It was brought out by God, not by men, by God. Evil and good. Why would God bring him the knowledge of evil and good in the garden? And he tells him, don't eat. <laughs> Darkness is for you, as light is for you. So all those times in your life where you experience pain, disappointment, hardship, trial, tribulation, 
it was designed by God. That's why when Job loses his children, God doesn't pass over him. Jesus performed miracles 30 years after he was born. That doesn't mean that in, in those 30 years there were no sick people. The, there were no people dying. They were dying. He was passing the sick folk. He couldn't heal them. If you want to, it was their time of darkness. Because the Bible says, the people who sat in a dark place have what? Have, have what? Have received the light. Says those who sat in a dark place, says a greater light has come. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I walk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going through hell. Go through it. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to unlock in you? Huh? Qualities of perseverance. Because once you understand this thing, you see, once you understand this, if once you understand this thing, nothing bothers you. Paul says all these things are happening, but none of them moves me. To the point where when Prophet Agabus came to him, he says, The man who moves belt this belongs to. He says, shall be delivered up to the Gentiles of God. And everybody else, the Bible says, by the Spirit said to Paul, don't go out to Jerusalem. Paul says, what mean is this? Do you mean to break my heart? For ye, I am willing not only to go bound, but to die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophet told him, don't go. Don't go. Others came to don't go. Don't go. He says, I'm going. He knew he was going to face his death. Tell you what, Paul was confident, didn't move him. Jesus said to his disciples, you know, after three days, you know, we're going up to Jerusalem, they're going to they spit at me, they're going to kill me. By the third day, I will rise. How do you mean? What do you mean? When they came to him and, and get him out, he see, what did he say to him? He says, now is your hour of darkness. Yeah. Even Jesus had to go through the dark times. But those were the greatest times. Because it was in those dark times that history was changed. Your life would be boring without dark days. How long must it last? Ask yourself, how long do you want to live in the light? You see, the, the time you want to live in the light is the time you must experience in the night. Listen, the night and the morning are equal hours. 12 hours each. Jesus says, are they not 12 hours in a day? He did not say 24 hours. He said 12 hours. Because the other is reserved. There are 12 hours. Jesus said, are they not 12 hours in a day? 12 hours in a day. Why? Because the next day is evening. And evening and the morning were the first day. Go back to Genesis.
Then God said, be light. Be light. And what? And was light. Be light. And was light. Be light. And was? Light. And God saw the light. And that it was good. And God divided the light from darkness. Notice, he does not say, and God removed the darkness from light. He divided. <laughs> so our lives are divided into what? Days of light and days of darkness. Days of evil and days of good. He divided he did not. He divided. He divided. He didn't remove the dark. Why? Because I created the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. To God, darkness was not affected because light and darkness are the same to Him. Yeah. I mean, He is God. The Bible says He is light. Yeah. So when He comes with darkness, is can He see the light? The Bible says He dwells in the un an unapproachable light. Yeah. Huh? What darkness can stand in that light? <laughs> and God called the light what? Amen. And the darkness he called? Nice. So what? Amen. So the evening. So what's evening? Evening is the beginning of night. Morning is the beginning of day. So evening Morning starts when? Evening. So what must come first? Evening. Evening comes before morning. Weeping may endure for a but joy comes in the morning. Why doesn't say joy is in the night? They know. <laughs> This is the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is the Holy Spirit's work. This book you're holding is the Holy Spirit's work. Amen. He's just weeping. He's in the night. So, <laughs> those times of crying is what? You are in the night of life. Yes. <laughs> so, that means, that means, here's, here's the thing. That means there are, there are, there are regulations of your life that does not go by the Day and the night, because you can be, it can be during the day, and you'll be in the night of life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not the physical day that determines whether you are joyful. No, it's the seasons that God has allocated for you. So some of you try to come out of seasons prematurely. <laughs> And you wonder why, when you are supposedly in the day of your life, nothing good happens. Yeah. It's what all still me. Because you want to what? Escape the night season. So the day becomes so long that it ends up boring you. Because God means for you to equally experience night as you do day. Because what does not happen? Jesus said, whatever I tell you in what? In the night, in darkness. He says what? 
Tell it in the light. <coughs> Talk about the light and night seasons of life. Right? She mm-hmm. so saw the evening and the morning were the first day. Some of you overstay your night seasons. How do you overstay? How do you overstay? It's simple. This thing is very easy. If you empty every single, I told you this, every single thing, every single thing in the whole Bible is in Genesis chapter 1. Everything. When the disciples, remember Jesus told the disciples to go away, you'll find them later, so he wanted to send away the crowds after he went to pray. And the Bible says, as he prayed, he looked over and he saw them struggling for the waves were caught against them. What did Jesus do? The Bible says Jesus continued to pray. And at the fourth watch, on the fourth watch, about four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, Jesus went out into the, into the water. They were struggling the whole night. Jesus did nothing. When he finished praying at about three to four, he went over. That's why they saw it's a ghost. He couldn't have been in the day because in the day you don't see ghosts. You see ghosts in the night. <laughs> and they were all afraid. Jesus said, it is I. Do not fear. It is I. When they got into the boat and Jesus started sleeping, the boat started moving around so much so that the boat was sinking. Jesus was sleeping. Why? Night and day are all the same. <laughs> what did the disciples do? Do you not care that we are dying? He says, Your faith is different. Your faith is different. You would die. You would die. So, what keeps you in the night seasons is what. So, if you don't have faith, you may sink in the tough times. Faith is not always only for conquering; it's for standing. It's not only for fighting; it's for maintaining your composure. That's why. Your faith in God is tested in the night, not in the day. There's no need for faith in the day. Because everything happens by divine providence. Right? When Jesus turned the water into wine, he fed the five times. That was day. They did not, they were just chilling. They just sit down and eat. That's it. Jesus, Jesus did not do that all the time. So after that, we don't see because the first time Jesus, the second time Jesus said to them, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I feel compassion for them because they've been with me so long and they might go back hungry. So let's feed them. He fed them once. He never went again looking for them to see if he can feed them. Some of them that were there were poor because Jesus said that. Some of them didn't have money to go buy food. Did Jesus go and perform daily miracles for them? No. No. Why? Because they were supposed to go work and find work. 
After that day, if they continue to hunger, that's why they look for him in John chapter 6 to make him king. And Jesus knew. He said, you want to make me king because I fed you. Then you want to make because I fed you. The poor broke. He expected that from that day on, they must go and fend for themselves. Daytime was over. So God works in the evening, into the night, into the day, into the morning. That's how he works. That's how he works. Let me give you a secret. God speaks more in the night than he does in the day. If you ever want to hear God, the Bible says, and he woke up a great day before dawn. You know what time that was? Three o'clock. Psalm 16, let me show you. And, and I, I, no, 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 I, no. Psalm 16, go there, we'll go there. <laughs> I'm also going to show you that God, when God fellowship with Adam, it was in the evening, not in the morning. Psalm 19, Psalm 16. You there? Yeah. <coughs> Verse number 7. Please read. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel when? I will, wait. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel when? Read it. My, my mind. My mind. Don't say heart. Say what I say. My mind. My mind. My mind. My mind. Read that. Will give me what? My mind will give me instruction in the night seasons. Since I bless the Lord, He has given me counsel. My mind will instruct me in the night seasons. My mind. He tells you that your body is designed in such a way to be more alive in the evening than in the day. So if you're going to hear God, receive counsel from God, it's going to be in the evening, in the night. Because Adam woke up in the evening, not in the day. So, Adam woke up in the evening. <laughs> Verse chapter 63. Verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. You see that? Yes, oh God, you are my God. Diligently will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. 
So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, our lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands to your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fitness. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Verse 6. When I remember you on my bed. <laughs> when I remember you on my bed. I meditate on you in the night watches. I meditate on you in the night watches. The night watches. You know, you know what he means when he says in the night watches? Yeah? There are four, there are a total of eight watches a day. There are four watches in the evening, in the night. There are four watches in the day. If you read the Bible, the Bible talks about ninth watch, eleventh watch, what what? There are four, four watches in each time zone or time frame. The first time zone for the evening begins from six to nine. From nine to twelve is the second one. From twelve to three is the third one. From three to six is the second one. Then morning starts. So when he says, I'll meditate on you in the night watches, it may be in either one of these watches. Yeah. <sighs> really? Genesis 3. <coughs> nah, I don't understand how God can visit me. That time is visiting you, you are sleeping. <laughs> you are snoring. <laughs> I'm trying to explain to you the day and the night. What happens in the day? What happens in the night? Yeah, God speaks all the time. God speaks all the time. Jesus wouldn't wait until evening to go pray. And he wouldn't wake up before the daybreak to go pray. You don't need to wait until evening. No, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. <coughs> the Bible, he sent them away and he went to go pray. From six. Right up until. And then the second time before he chose his disciples, the Bible says he prayed the whole night. That means he prayed from six in the evening to six in the morning. That's what it means. Now I'll read you. Chapter 3, you are there? Yeah. <laughs> Verse number 8, please. 